Hello and welcome to the Data Lab podcast. I'm Gillian Doherty, the Chief Executive of the Data Lab, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Professor Mahmoud Adil, uh, who is the Medical Director for NHS Information Services Division and Visiting Professor of Health Intelligence at Glasgow University. And today we're going to talk about health intelligence, which is the first podcast in a series of health intelligence and data related podcasts. So, Mahmoud, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, thank you, Gillian. I think I'm really pleased that you are doing this uh, podcast because this topic is very, very close to my heart. And uh, let me tell you what happened to me over the years, as you asked. Uh, I trained as a pediatrician, but my journey is a journey from stethoscope to datascope. So over the years, when I was seeing patients running around in hospitals and uh, doing my best to treat patients as we do and as our doctor nurses do all over the NHS, then I started realizing, which I think maybe even in medical school, I was very keen that I need to have a bigger picture. And the nearest thing I could find for bigger picture is the public health medicine. So then I moved into public health medicine. And within public health medicine, the data and intelligence play a big role because we look at the population health. And that is where I started my interest into data and health intelligence and did my more qualifications and had more experience for the last 15 years and had responsibilities both in England and now in Scotland to oversee uh, some national functions which linked with data and intelligence. So that is my journey from stethoscope to datascope. Fantastic. I love that from stethoscope to datascope. I hope you've trademarked that. (laughs) I think I better do it. But I think at the end, uh, if you ask me seriously, this is one of the things that many of our frontline uh, clinical staff, frontline clinicians should do. And I think I know the data lab is uh, doing a great work on uh, developing the capacity and capability. And I'm very keen that our uh, clinicians, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, pharmacists, they should have that insight and I think we will talk later that how best we can use the health intelligence and you need to have some understanding and I think I'm, I'm very keen that not everyone should, should do the whole journey like I did but they should have some key milestone in this journey to be achieved. Fantastic so let's start at the question of why do we need health intelligence? Well, uh, well, Gillian, I think uh, let's start what is health intelligence because then we know that how best we can uh, use it and why we need it. Uh, I think we live in a in, in, in 21st century where every industry, including health, is generating a lot of data. I usually say that NHS is data rich and intelligence poor because we collect, what is data? Data is a piece of information which is being collected either manually on a piece of paper or, or by our computers. Uh, so whenever uh, you and I or anyone of us in 5.3 million population in Scotland has got a contact with the hospital or primary care or social care or number of other sect, a piece of information is being collected. But the challenge is that if we keep collecting that, those pieces of information, we won't be, may, won't be able to make it a right picture and something which could be used to improve the health of the nation or health of the individual. So I say better data, better lives. So the point is, the health intelligence is the outcome of the data analysis in such a way so that 
our uh, staff, our patient, our public, our professional could use it to take some actions which can improve the outcomes. So from data to health intelligence, there are three, four key steps involved. You need to have the data, you need to be analyzed, you need to put the right context, you need to present it in such a way that people should be able to use it, and then you need to create the value which you and I are very keen that the people should be using or creating value from health intelligence. Great. And you've said it's really key to the delivery of our our health uh, support. Why, Why is it critical now? I think there are a number of reasons. Uh, Interestingly, uh, if you go back 50 years, right, or when the NHS was conceived in July uh, 1948, uh, our needs, uh, most of our uh, uh, patients who are coming to NHS were acute patients. Right, fast forward 70 years, we celebrated 70th birthday of NHS last year. Uh, Now, 70% of our beds are filled by patients with chronic diseases. So you can imagine that uh, treating someone with acute appendicitis or roadside injury or some acute illness is a very different proposition as compared to uh, uh, treating someone who has got multimorbidity and having diabetes, having mental health problem. So it means the data and intelligence become paramount because then, now we talk about artificial intelligence. So if we are collecting so much data and we start using artificial intelligence, then we would be able to make the lives of our frontline clinicians easy so they can use their energies on the right things rather than they should be trying to understand that how my patient look like because artificial intelligence, even the in the current state of play in Scotland, because of our CHI number, we can do, do the very good data linkage. And the professionals and the patients, they can get an excellent picture of their own health. And if they can understand their own health, then I'm sure they can do something about it. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, we have got um, 300,000 patients with diabetes in Scotland right? Diabetes take almost 10% of our resources. Our budget is uh, is about 13, 13 billion, so almost 1.3 billion is being spent on diabetes direct care. So it's a very interesting example in a way because diabetes itself is not a disease as long as you are disciplined. So when patients get a disease, if the patient disciplined with diet and exercise, understand what his parameters are, he or she can control, and we use the word that you give the ownership, you can co-create health. So we have got excellent data on diabetes. And what we have done, uh, and Scottish government has done, that we have created a, a portal called My Diabetes My Way. So anyone who lives in Scotland has got diabetes, he or she can go and get access to this portal and uh, then he or she will uh, be able to look at the whole data and uh, the parameters like their uh, uh, blood control and their number of other things being checked by the GPs on one page. And this is I call health intelligence, going from data to getting something in front of you which you can use to improve your own life and as well as you can help others. So you'd mentioned earlier about the CHI number. Can you tell us a little bit more about the CHI number? Not not everyone who might be listening to the podcast understand what the CHI number is, although they might have one. 
Well, it's very interesting you asked, Jaleen. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I, I, I was myself was very inquisitive at that, uh, how the CHI numbers start. CHI stand for Community Health Index. So anyone who lives in Scotland and registered with the GP has been given a unique number called CHI, so Community Health Index number. But the beauty is this, that because everyone has got it, and the reason I was inquisitive, because someone gave me the story that... Uh, uh, one of uh, a, a doctor uh, almost 40 years ago uh, went to attend a conference in Sweden and then he got the idea from there when he got back in Scotland and he said it is an excellent idea. Interestingly, all the Scandinavian countries has got a unique identifier. So they are in a very good position. Their health and social care data is well linked because everyone has got unique identifier. But in Scotland at the moment, we have got CHI number for all the NHS uh, NHS just contacts. So it means that when you have got one number, if let's suppose I go to a hospital, get treated, then I go to see a GP, and then I make a call to NHS 24 and I explain that who I am, then someone somewhere, if my GP would like to see that where Mahmood health has been checked with the CHI number, it is very easy to link that data. But in the same note, uh, we have got a very strict uh, uh, rules in place that not everyone can see anyone else's data. So I need to make it very clear to our audience that it is not like you give a CHI number, it's not like a bank account number that you can get access all of your bank details. So we have got a very strict rules in place, but the beauty is that having one unique identifier, we can do the data linkage. Great. And you... I guess that's so important to drive to the intelligent health element because you can see that picture. Uh, you gave the example of, of My Diabetes My Way. Going forward, what, what other use cases can you see if we get health intelligence right in Scotland? Right. Okay. We need to look at from uh, some of the key stakeholders' perspective, and in my head, and in uh, and we all understand that our biggest stakeholder is our patients, then public, then professionals, then policymakers. So, if let's look at from those perspective, from their perspective. Okay. From patient perspective. Uh, a uh, lot of things are happening across the Atlantic. I spent some time at Yale School of Public Health and then subsequently time at Harvard Business School. And I realized that uh, America is a very innovative country. And we need to be thinking, and there are a lot of things are happening on health intelligence and artificial intelligence, which can make patients' life easy. They can treat, their treatments can get better. Uh, for example, uh, if you look at uh, uh, things being done uh, on cancer patients, there is a very good uh, 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 innovative idea called Dr. Watson, and then people were very keen to see that how the different drugs being used for the same type of patients, uh, same type of cancer patients, which drugs will be more effective, rather than you need to look at one or two patients which you are treating as a physician, they can, the health intelligence can pull the data from the millions of thousands of patients and look at all the drugs and look at all the parameters for individual patients.
children can think and all also for genome data and they can propose that which drug is the best for which patient so this is a good example where we can think and of course cancer is one of the chronic diseases and we need to be mindful look at from a public perspective uh, we are very keen uh, that we need to move towards prevention working upstream and i called it a uh, precision population health so i at this point in time with help of scottish government and with isd and with all the health boards in scotland we are working on a health intelligence product if you allow me to call it product called uh, atlas of variation so this is if you're living in any part of scotland you would like to see that uh, Uh, what is the variation about the number of patients being treated for knee replacement hip re- replacement cataract and what could be the reasons it could be warranted reasons unwarranted reasons and the people can see that oh why in my patch there are more patients are getting treated for knee hip replacement and this is also a good example for professionals they need to start thinking uh, is our threshold to treat uh, or replace knee hip or cataract is too low because we're treating too many and same as for policy makers so this is another example that if you have got so much data if you are able to change into intelligence and present it in such a way to our public to our patients to our carers and i would like to emphasize the word carer because at times we don't realize that how important role the carers play in the health service and we need to give them the health intelligence what they need to help their to help their loved one and i think this is where i'm very keen and I'm up for new ideas. One of the reasons when you kindly asked me to come on your podcast, I want to give the message that ISD itself and my uh, and myself personally is very keen to have your ideas so that you can tell us what sort of health intelligence you would like and we will do our best to make it happen. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting angle, the holistic support of uh a citizen a patient a service user is there are many people uh, and organizations who offer help uh, and guide them through either their treatments or their care at home and the importance of looking at that holistic approach is really key as we move forward and that each individual will have support from different parts part of the NHS it might be a third sector charity organization could be social care it could be family members and that holistic approach is, is really important and and i guess it's how do we use the health intelligence to make that whole system better Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's a great point uh, 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 you raised. If you look at the word health, health is uh, physical, mental and social well-being. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the way our resources are being spent, most of them on the physical part. So if you look at the NHS, even in the NHS National Health Service, the word health should be physical, mental, and social well-being. But I think I'm glad that the government policies over the years is moving towards mental health as well, and as well as towards the well-being. And I think if you want to achieve that 
uh, that a golden goal of achieving health for our 5.3 million or our future generation, then this is the model which actually you, you are proposing here, that we need to be using the whole, all the community assets. So the community assets are the carers, the public, the third sector, the independent sector. And so it means that we need to be mindful that our total assets are not just the NHS, our assets are beyond that. And how best then we can provide the health intelligence to all those assets so they can play their part effectively. And I think that's a question I need to be posing to myself as well as to our third sector and to independent sector and to, to our carers and anyone else who's listening that tell us that what do you need? Let me give you an example that if you look at social care, because uh, we all are getting, we're living longer. I say that we're becoming victim of our own successes, that medical advancement is helping us to live longer. But is it improving our quality of life? Might be not, because after 16, 70 years, then if people are living up to 90 and they're spending 20 years visiting hospital, it's not a good quality of life. So we, of course, ultimately, we need to be thinking eventually everyone has to pass away. But the point is, we need to do our best with help of all the health intelligence and, of course, the people who are going to act upon on that health intelligence. Because although we, we talked so far about health intelligence, I really want to make a point that any, anyone who is going to play a part to achieve the goal of health, they need to act upon that health intelligence because we can only generate the best of the best things we can do in Scotland. And I think we are a good example. Uh, two days ago, I was giving a talk uh, to my colleagues in Canada, of course, virtually. Uh, and uh, they were saying that you are doing excellent work on predictive analytics. So that is a part of uh, health intelligence. It means that we can predict the patients who are going to admit in the next one year because our data and intelligence with the right algorithm, we provide this information back to our GPs and then the GPs need to act upon it. So the point I'm trying to make is that not generating the health intelligence is only one part of the story. The second part is people need to act upon it. Yeah. So you need to do something with that intelligence that improves the holistic health of our citizens. Definitely. And I think one of the the areas is 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 that action element. But to be able to provide that intelligence, it's what do you think the key requirements are for moving from data to intelligence? Okay. Uh, let me uh, say it is fall in three areas. People, most important. People and their skills, that's one. Second, infrastructure, and third, data. And this is one of the reasons, of course, we'll come back to it later, that Scotland is maybe in the best place to create very innovative health intelligence. So people means that you need to have right capacity and capability uh, for 
changing data into health intelligence. So I think I, I do appreciate the, 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 the excellent work the Data Lab is doing with the MSEs. You are uh, you're giving scholarships for MSEs for people to go and do uh, uh, to build up their skills and extra qualifications in data. And that is one key thing. You need to have the people. Uh, and of course, uh, data is everywhere. And one of the challenges we face that uh, the people in, who work on health data, they might get poached by other industries and then they go and work over there. Of course, no one can stop them. But what I'm very keen that as time goes by, we need to have a good enough pool of our data analysts, of our right clinicians who can understand. And as I said, they need to move away from stethoscope to data scope. So that is a one key ingredient. Second one is infrastructure, how our data is collected and shared. So a lot of work is going on in Scotland that we are trying to develop a uniform platform where the data should be collected from all part of the health sector, not healthcare. Again, I differentiate healthcare is mostly the NHS and health is physical, mental and social well-being. For example, uh, we are going to establish a new public health body called Public Health Scotland. And one of the uh, key remit of this uh, public health body would be that they need to be achieving that goal of achieving health for uh, helping the Scottish population to achieve health. And it means that you need to start thinking, you might ask that, which other data sets might be useful for developing health intelligence? Have you ever thought our transport data is very, very important to generate health intelligence, that where people live, how they travel, how many people are using cars, I mean, how many people are walking. So you can see that if you just move away from healthcare to health data, there are a lot of other determinants of health come into play, and we need to be collecting data on them. So it means that we need to have the right infrastructure to in order to collect the data, link that data, and have the permission to use that data. Because this is, again, important. This is your data and my data. So I might be using an app, and I might need to give permission to the health system to get that data from my app. And I think in Scotland, we are very, very uh, vigilant about that, that we need to be not uh, using the data without people's permission. But on the similar note, I always use the analogy that if someone is dying and his blood group is B positive, and then you say that is anyone is there, of course, the, uh, the Scottish Blood Service Office is not far off from here. And if they say we are looking for B positive uh, blood group or blood, hundreds of people will come out and they will donate the blood. But if I say that data save lives, then people would understand that if I give my data and my data could be used in an anonymized manner, which could be used for research, for, uh, for helping patients for their direct indirect care, and I'm happy that my data could be used for that innovative research, it is going to save more lives than when we give blood. And this is where I see the importance of those three ingredients, that we need to have the people with the right skills, we need to have infrastructure with the right governance in place to share the data, and of course, the third thing, we need to have the data. Fantastic. So we've, you've talked a lot about some of those ingredients in Scotland. Why do you think Scotland is a good place to drive health intelligence? It's a, it's a global problem. Uh, there the, the challenges that we've discussed in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes, they're, they're global challenges. Why is Scotland good at this and what 
could we do to make Scotland not just good, but great? Excellent. I think uh, this is uh, pa- my passion, pa- passion of ISD, and of course, passion of the whole NHS, that how best we can raise the profile of the good work which is being done on health intelligence in Scotland and why. So why Scotland is good. If you go by those three ingredients which I mentioned, uh, we already got many of them in place. We have got best of the best data. We have got almost 200 data, routine data sets we collect. And when I say routine, it means it is routinely, it is not like one of surveys. Over 200 data sets, we, it's almost 100% complete. They're 100% complete. And then with our CHI number, we can do the data linkage. So if you are a drug company, you are a, a innovative companies, you would like to have your R&D, I think this is an excellent place to start working. And I encourage the, the, the companies who are into data mining and into a number of other things, this is the place because we have got the data, we have got the right people. And then talking about people, uh, again, saying that we have got so many industries and so many data sets. Uh, so many industries and they have got analysts and I said this is a generic skill which could be specialized and I think we have got enough of them and of course we are generating more. Many of our universities, they have got an excellent qualification, we are encouraging people. So this is not something we are doing, we are good at now, but as time goes by, we will be will getting better and better because we're getting a new generation of analysts, new generation of uh, the skilled workforce will be coming. So the sustainability is there. So this is another very strong point for Scotland. And the third thing is that uh, when we say the problems, uh, on one side, the Scotland has got uh, the chronic diseases, challenges, number of others, but this can work to our favor because we have tackled them and we would like to show that how our health intelligence has helped to tackle them. And I think it means the other health systems can learn from us. And of course, we can learn from other health systems. So these are the few key things which are going to help to say or which is going to help us to understand that Scotland at the moment is doing pretty good job in uh, on health intelligence front. But it doesn't mean that the other countries are not doing it. Uh, Scandinavian countries are pretty good. Finland has got a very good track record of health intelligence, so as Sweden and uh, Denmark. So it means that we are very open to new ideas. And I think to go from good to great, I again see that, uh, first of all, need to have a passion. And I think we have got a clear passion, that's organizational passion, not only personal passion. Our organizations are very keen to use the health intelligence because we are very good uh, in generating good intelligence. But I can say very positively that uh, when we generate the health intelligence, like the Atlas of Variation, like I told you about risk prediction, and there are number of other things, my diabetes, my way. So people are using it. So we can demonstrate that, yes, we are going to improve the outcome and create value by changing data into health intelligence. Fantastic. We've covered a lot of topics and areas today and it's it's a great opener for our new health intelligence series and I think we'll probably come back and have a deep dive into some of the examples you've shared today. 
maybe a little bit around the data information governance and ethics piece, which is critically important. And we've touched on that today. And I know that's a, a significant priority for the bodies in Scotland. And maybe a little bit of future gazing, imagining a world in the future and where we go. So I think you've given us a great start to the series. I think covering the, the three key ingredients, the people, the infrastructure, the data, and your stethoscope to Datascope. It's fantastic. So I'd like to thank you, Mahmood, for joining us today. And it's been a real pleasure and I look forward to further discussions. And for those listeners out there, keep an eye out for future podcasts in the Health Intelligence series. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gillian. <laughs>